<laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast. My name is Drew, otherwise known as Red Kachik, and I will be your host this evening to preview the 2021 Wyndham Simpson Championship. Wyndham Championship, sorry. The, uh, yeah, the Webb Simpson narrative will ring true through all the podcasts this week, so we've got to take a little stab at that one. Um, but well-deserved. We'll get to it. The, uh, the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast is brought to you by FantasyGolfBag.com. This week's uh, featured article is on the new Noble Matrix golf shoes. Uh, if you'd like, check out fantasygolfbag.com and check out my recent shoe review for the Noble Matrix. Um, very good shoe. Uh, it's a spikeless shoe, so they're little rubber pegs on the bottom instead of actual traditional uh, saw spikes. And very comfortable. One, uh, Honestly, one of the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. So, uh, I encourage you to read that article. I get no kickbacks or any type of compensation from the brand Noble um, or really any of the reviews that I do on the website. I don't get any any compensation or any kickbacks for that. They are all are true from the heart uh, reviews, and I highly recommend them, but I encourage you to read the review to hear my thoughts, um, mostly pros, but uh, check it out, fantasygolfbag.com. So, I think last week's show ran around 27 minutes. I'm going to try to beat that by at least seven minutes this week as we preview the final event right before the the FedEx Cup playoffs begin. Um, the Wyndham Championship is a interesting interesting event. Obviously, with Webb Simpson, if you play on DraftKings and FanDuel, he is extremely expensive on FanDuel considering how he's been playing. And I will pull it up really quickly. So on DraftKings, he is the third most expensive at 10.6. FanDuel, he was the most expensive by 200 bucks at 12,100. Um, yeah, he's got a. It's interesting. He's got a pretty high projection across both sites, which is understandable. His course history is great. Um, but yeah, he's very, he's very priced up on FanDuel compared to DK, and it's a little bit relative based on the salary cap, but. We'll get to that. So let me talk a little bit about the golf course. I won't bore you with too many course details. Uh, I'm sure you guys get that from a million other sites and podcasts and resources. And honestly, on a week-to-week basis, I've started to use less and less fine line stats. I think when I first started in DFS and other, other sports, I think there's still an edge to maybe be used for... You know, like in NFL, they have all these new stats. Air Yards was very popular. I don't know if that's necessarily predictive or not it definitely shows upside for for receivers um but there's a lot of other different stats for like lineups or like how they face off against defenses uh mlb there's so many stats and a lot of them are actually really good it's just such a volatile sport doesn't always come through the next day when you're playing dfs you're playing on a daily basis and golf i think is somewhat of the same way i think guys get too drawn into you know a guy that how does he play 350 to 400 yard par fours well i mean over the course of a year i mean he's probably going to play like 20 something holes total uh 20 or 30 holes total from that distance i mean that's a pretty small sample size if you're looking back at the last 24 rounds he's probably going to play in like you know six of those six holes like that um so it's it to me I, i like to look at overall stats tweak it a little bit or try to eyeball certain things based on the event or like the scoring i expect i think scoring is much more of a factor than uh how the course necessarily sets up um we i think i think most people are in the ballpark now they figure that out like even even really tight golf courses we know that 
accuracy off the tee doesn't always equate to accuracy on that particular golf course. Um, still off the tee kind of trumps a lot of things, but when you look at a golf a golfer like Justin Johnson, who is very good off the tee, maybe not the best driving accuracy number compared to someone that's a little shorter. Um, when he goes to an RBC Heritage, he's going to kind of move his golf game to fit the golf course better. And nine times out of 10, he's going to be better with driving accuracy when he doesn't have to hit driver. So it's, it, it's all kind of relevant um, throughout the course of a season. But for me, I, I try to keep it pretty stable week to week and then just make small tweaks and just not try to get too down in the weeds. And uh, we'll certainly talk about that. This, this golf course is going to be played or this tournament should be, I should say, is going to be played um, at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. Be helpful if I can talk good for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> the the golf course has essentially put up the same winning scores every year. So I just put out a tweet, and the winners of the Wyndham Championship since 2016, get this, 2016, 21 under par. Next year, 22 under par. 21 under par, 22 under par, 21 under par. So 21, 22 under par every single year. So odds are technically, technically not true, but odds are it's going to be 22 under par winning score this year. So it's going to be low scoring. So expect guys to make a lot of birdies. If you want to look at the scoring angle in terms of statistics, yeah, birdie or better is good. I think birdie or better is good every week, even on tough golf courses. Just you're picking guys that are going to be able to score and then just equate that to around the green or bogey avoidance and you got a winning a winning combo there but uh it's going to be a low scoring event guys are all going to be in the teens it'll be similar to last week's corn Ferry tour event um i think the winning score was 24 under par and almost i mean honestly like the top 20 guys all shot all shot 16 or 18 under par so be very low scoring so keep that in mind as you're you're looking through your pool you want to look for guys that actually can go low um, but yeah, I think overall, let's, let's take a couple quick looks at the golf course stats just to help you guys out on a quick basis. It's a par 70, 7,100 yards. Um, the greens are Bermuda. So if you like to look at putting splits, it is Bermuda. Uh, overall, man, 7,100 yards, par 70s is not overly long. I think that's why the scoring is so is so good. The the rough is usually up, which is it's always surprised me. I think it just goes to the the length of the golf course. I mean, it's a par 70, so relative to par, 21, 22 under par to a par 70 is is pretty deep. Uh but yeah, I, I guess I guess 7100 yards even with the rough being up, um it's it's two and a half inches is what they're saying this year. But guys guys lose it in the Bermuda. I mean, it's pretty gnarly. So Look for low scoring. Uh, this was the tournament that that Brent Snedeker shot 59 a couple years back. So definitely uh, birdies are going to be in the future for guys. So expect some low scoring and some high scoring DFS lineups. So let's go ahead and talk about it. I'll, I'll talk through DraftKings this week. I've uh, been doing a lot on FanDuel. And again, the DFS rankings are free at fantasygolfbag.com. So super easy to get to. I posted a blog post so that people could see it last week and get to it, but honestly, it's, it's super, super easy. You go to fantasygolfbag.com. In the top left of the menu, you'll see DFS ranks. If you're on mobile, it probably won't show up great for you. I'd, I'd encourage you to go to desktop, but you can see it on the little hamburger menu. Drop that down, hit DFS ranks. And if you open that up, 
you'll see both FanDuel and DraftKings tabs, and you can look at both salary, projection, projected ownership, and my own rank. I baked in a good bit of course history, and it's kind of because of web, to be honest. I, I feel like, I mean, I, I think I think you look through the history of a lot of guys here, and a lot of them have consistent finishes, whether it's made cuts consistently or miscuts cuts consistently or web with just a string of top threes consistently. Um, I do think people play this golf course fairly consistently over the years. So I baked in a good bit of course history. As you go down the rankings, you'll see some guys stick out, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, I'm going to probably tailor it and have some updated rankings on Wednesday morning. But for example, if I scroll down here, my highest ranked guy in the entire field is Ryan Armour at 7K. And Ryan Armour has played this event pretty well over the years. Let me pull up his pull up his history here really quick. And I, I'm, I apologize for jumping from course to top top of the list players to uh, Ryan Armour at 7K. But I, I promise this will all make sense. Um, so like if I look at at Ryan Armour, his last couple finishes are very good. So fifth place at the Barbasol back in middle of July, and a sixth place at the 3M Open. So back-to-back weeks, gain strokes putting in both of those. Again, I don't really care about that. Got Some guys putt better than others. Some guys, you know, are fluctuate. Obviously, I don't want to chase a guy that really putted lights out the week before, and he normally is a, a neutral putter or even a, a strokes lost on the greens putter. But uh, Ryan Armour, back-to-back top sixes. And then if you narrow that down into the Wyndham, the last four years, he's finished inside the top 25. So I think that's a lot with why he grades out so well. His recent form is good with top sixes, and his course history is fantastic for being priced at 7000 And the ranking actually takes into consideration the price. So, you know, the ranking at Ryan Armour at 7K isn't the same as the same ranking or a similar ranking of Webb Simpson at 10.6. So keep that in mind. The pricing does actually matter for my ranks. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, again, the Slack chat's open at Fantasy Golf Bag. It's completely free. We don't. I'm not selling any memberships or anything like that. All I ask is uh, you hop in the chat. You be courteous. If you guys want to leave a rating and a review on these podcasts, that always helps. And then just interact the best you can on Twitter whenever, uh, whenever Fantasy Golf Bag posts some content. Let's dive into it. Top of the range, Hideki Matsuyama on DK 11K, Louis Oosthuizen 10-7, Webb Simpson 10-6, Will Zalatoris, the he six, sticks out like a sore thrum in both my rankings, projection, and ownership at 10-3, Patrick Reed at 10-2, and then all of a sudden you see Jason Kokrek there at 10,000 even. Um, pretty, pretty wild like grouping of guys there. Uh, Outside of, I'd say outside of Webb, there's really nobody with good course history. Uh, Hideki's played here a few times over the years. He's had mixed mixed uh, finishes. He's got a T3 back in 2016. Uh, same with Patrick Reed. He had a top 10 last year and a couple top 25s. But, I mean, he's priced at, at 10000 So that's, that's kind of what you would expect, like a top 10, right? So, I mean, Will Zalatoris... Being a newer pro, he hasn't played here much. He has one missed cut a couple years ago. I don't put a lot of weight into that for him, but he, he hasn't been playing great in general lately. And then Louie's been playing phenomenal, but no course history. 
I, I think I talked about this on the podcast last week, so I don't want to dive into it too much, but Louie is one of the guys that I kind of, I take it more with feel, and he, he continues to play, he continues to play extremely well, in it, and maybe this is one of those like a Brian Harmon where you you anticipate the downfall and you just keep fading and keep getting burned, but eventually it's gonna it's, it it has to flip at some point. Um, he's been all summer. He's played great. So since the well, let's go back to May. So Valspar eighth place, PGA Championship second, Memorial eighteenth place, U.S. Open second, British Open third place, 3M Open second. WGC last week finished 17th. I mean, he's made probably like $3 million without a win in uh, the entire summer. That's pretty good. NFT's got nothing on that. The uh, I think Louis Oosthuizen's fine. It's just he's he's priced up. And again, I I, I want to be off him early, as weird as that sounds, before uh, anybody else. Like if he, as soon as he just has a missed cut, like if he misses the cut this week, like I'll play him in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, if he has another good finish here, then the FedEx Cup playoffs might be really bad to me because the fields are going to shrink and he's going to keep playing, you know, <laughs> finishing the top 10. That's going to be pretty tough. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't really love anybody over 10K this week. Uh, pricing's tough. Even with Webb, as good as he's been over the years, I mean, he's never really let you down as chalk. And he's going to be over 25% owned, is what we project. Um, I mean, the ranking's fine. He's just expensive. And his course history is great. So the people are going to play People are gonna play Webb Simpson. Um, he has not finished outside the top three since 2017. In 2016, he finished, uh, basically made the cut and finished DFL. So personally, I would avoid the 10K range this week. There's nobody that really just grades out extremely well. The, the field is still weak enough that I, I want to go balanced. Um, if you look at Hideki, Louis Oosthuizen, and Webb Simpson, between those three, which are the three highest priced uh, for the week, combined is 63.5% ownership. So a pretty good chunk of ownership there if you fade them and they just don't play well. I mean, they don't even have to miss the cut. Just just sputter out and finish 40th or worse. Um, theoretically, they could finish 10th or worse for the price, but we'll just say 40th or worse would be fantastic if you're fading. I don't see anybody up here that's really piquing my interest. Um, if anybody, I would probably go to Patrick Reed. I just think Patrick Reed is is always under-owned and tends to play well more times than not, even when he's 10-2. So if I had to pick one person over 10K outside of cash, which obviously would be Webb Simpson, you'd play Webb Simpson in cash. Patrick Reed would be my play at 10-2. Um, let's hop down to the 9K range. It's not any... It's not really much better. Uh, Bubba, interesting, interestingly enough, grades out the best out of everybody up here. Uh, Russell Henley is still fine. Brian Arm at 9,900 grades out actually pretty well for being Brian Harmon at 9,900. Um, there's not a lot to talk about here. I mean, there's a lot of guys with red flags, guys with not enough rounds or not enough rounds at this course. So, if you look through my rankings, you'll see there's just not many guys that uh, that look great. Bubba, Bubba looks the best at 9K, probably a little bit dependent on the price there. And then Brian Harmon at 9,900, worth a shot. Um, I'd still, it, it would be tough. Like I do like Patrick Reed there, and like looking through the 9K range, I'd be more inclined to get to a Patrick Reed or get a little bit 
crazy in one out of three lineups if I'm doing a three max with Webb Simpson at 10-6 just because he's not crazy priced. And there's not that many people in the ten, in the nines that look great. So, uh, again, if you're playing MME, 150 max YOLO with Matthew Wolf, it's going to be low scoring. We know he can go low. This could be prime for him. Same with Russell Henley. I don't mind that. But uh, like Sungjae, I haven't been playing much Sungjae. Tommy Fleetwood's been struggling. Um, Adam Scott, I I played early in the year and just he just hasn't done anything. And it's going to be low scoring. So honestly, with, with Adam Scott in a low scoring event, and as I say this, I'm sure he'll finish in the top three, but we want a guy that can actually get hot with the putter. And we know Adam Scott normally does not get hot with the putter. So... I think that kind of eliminates Adam Scott for me right there. And then Siwoo, I, I honestly think a little bit of his recent scores are fluky. So, like, when you take a 13 on a par 3, and so I'm talking about last week, he took a 13 on a par 3, your your strokes gained approach number is just tank very badly. So if you're looking at stuff from a statistical standpoint, unless you're cleaning the data, it's going to reflect some outlier numbers and that's a lot of what our spectrum data used to clean unfortunately with with access and sky being gone I, I don't have access to to getting that data hopefully i can work on that in my spare time um now that i'm doing kind of fgb on my own but siwoo i would have interest in siwoo at, at 9100 um and, and a little bit of it hopefully is ownership but i would i would put bubba siwoo and brian Harmon as as a three that I would probably target, maybe Russell Henley as a fourth. And then if you want to play GVPs, Matthew Wolf. But uh, it's it's still kind of a light spot for me. Let's talk about the 8K range. So Seamus Power is going to be, he should be pretty popular. Seamus Power has played phenomenally. I think he has six top 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go pull up. Let me go pull up Seamus Power really quickly. I have his ranking. His ranking is is high, and at 8,500, it, it's very fitting. So, like, a lot of the AK guys are going to be in my lineup if you look through my ranks. But uh, let me go pull up his his stuff really quickly. Um, so, yeah. So, one, two, three, four, five, six straight top 20s. And one, two, three, four of those are top nines. So, been great. Uh, I think Seamus Power is fine on this golf course. Let's see here. Charles Schwartzel at 8,100 has been playing great lately. I will definitely have some good exposure to Charles Schwartzel. He's he's one of the highest ranked guys in the entire field for me. Uh, Gary Woodland's playing better. So I'll go pull up Woodland's profile really quick too. Because um, a little bit of this is kind of crossing between kind of recent form and a lot of these events, especially in the fall swing or as we get into the playoffs and then the fall swing are going to be very short-term results so like Gary Woodland has one start in the window with the miscut again one start miscut doesn't mean that much if it was like three miscuts yeah that's that's some stuff some substance that I would actually consider um, but his last start he finished 11 of the 3m open he gained five strokes tee to green and he gained three strokes putting so that's at least a step in the right direction nothing groundbreaking uh but from a Ball striking standpoint, that's a pretty big pickup at the uh, at the 3M Open. So Seamus Power, I think, is is fantastic. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, I have graded out really high. And Kevin Streelman, I have quite a bit 
um, ranked quite a bit high for this range as well. If I look through Kevin Streelman, yeah, so on average he's gaining 0.2 strokes ball striking on this golf course with 10 rounds of data. Um, and recent form, he's gaining almost a stroke ball striking in his last 24 rounds. So pretty strong from Kevin Streelman. Let's, uh, I think that's it for the 8K range. Yeah, Eric Van Ruyen's coming off a win last week in the Barracuda. I, I don't, I don't really have a take on EVR. I think, I think honestly, the the win there, if anything, will drive up his ownership maybe a little bit. It's still this. There's just nothing really that I want to play him. I maybe would have played him last week based on the price, but again, after a win, I probably just avoid. All right, seven K range. Mito Mito Pereira. Uh, I think people are finally figuring out how good this guy is a little bit. I was hoping for a little bit more at the Olympics, at least early, but I think Mito is a fantastic play and he's played really well in these events that are low scoring. Obviously he has limited sample in the PGA tour. So with as good as he's played, obviously the stats are going to be skewed to being quote unquote good. But even on the Corn Ferry Tour, with a three-win promotion and most of the events on the Corn Ferry Tour are in this scoring category of, let's just say, high teens, uh, Mito is a prime candidate at 7,900. I would probably, as crazy as it sounds, and this is just me, I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage it. If I was playing a three-max, if I was playing three lineups in, in a three-max or just three lineups in a GPP or something like that, I'd probably play Mito in every single one. Uh, I think he's cheap enough. He provides a pretty good floor at his price, just like everybody else in here. I mean, just the worst case scenario is a miscut, but the pricing, there's there's all upside from there. So a top 20 finish is fantastic. A top 10 is even better. A made cut at his price doesn't hurt you. So 7,900 Mito is, is going to be a pretty prime choice for me. And there's a lot riding on. I mean, he has his tour card for next year locked up. But there's still an outside chance, I, I believe. So don't quote me. I, I believe there's still an outside chance with a really strong finish. He can squeak into the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think he's like 160th or 140th, something like that. Um, it's it's close. Uh, the last I checked, at least. But Mido at 7,900, I like quite a bit. Jonathan Vegas has played phenomenal all summer. No reason not to hop off of Jonathan Vegas. Him and Mito kind of come in at the same projected ownership of 15. So either one is fine. Uh, I think H3 Buddha, Mike Brown came on the show right before the British Open, I think. And we kind of talked about a lot of guys in PGA DFS. And maybe this is from his you know outside perspective. A lot of guys come into PGA DFS and look in the range and play one guy instead of theoretically playing two or three guys from like the same price. And I think I think Vegas and Mito are in that same category. Like I just play Vegas and Mito together. There's there's no harm in that. Um, Brent Snedeker plays pretty well. A lot of that is course history baked into it. His recent form is isn't isn't bad. Um, ball striking wise, like off the tee, he's losing a quarter of a stroke off the tee in his last 24 rounds. Yeah, he's pretty much net neutral and ball striking stats in his last eight rounds as well. So I don't really have a strong take on Snedeker. He's going to be lower owned than Mito and, and Vegas, so that would be my angle. But uh, yeah, Mito, Vegas would be the two of the guys I would pick out in this, this high range. Um, 
and I and I do I do like Brant. Not to say I don't like Brant, but in that range, I would easily much more easily go plug in Mito. So uh, there we go. I said Mito way too many times. Let's move on past Mito. Uh, Taylor Gooch at seventy seven hundred grades out very well. A little bit of a chalkiness there. Hank Lebiota at ninety two, um, or sorry, seventy six hundred. He grades out really well at ninety two, and only nine point three percent ownership. Um, he's, he's fantastic there. Zach Johnson has been playing better. Ryan Moore has been playing better at 7,500. So honestly, the seven K, like the mid seven K range is is loaded. Uh, and I think, I think honestly that that would lead me. I know I mentioned Patrick Reed at 10, two, but if I'm looking at construction, like 10, two for Patrick Reed would, you could argue Webb Simpson, if you want to get there. But like, just play one of those guys. Probably skip the nine K range, get one or two in the eights or high sevens with Mito there. One more time for Mito, and then uh, this mid seven K range, and no need to even get down to the six K range. There's some guys that grade out well down here, and you can review the rankings to see kind of which ones pop and why. But I, I don't think it's necessary to get too crazy outside of this mid seven K range. There's just I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven guys, right around seventy-four to seventy-nine that are in the eightieth percentile or higher. So, uh, yeah, check out the rankings for those mid-price guys. If I if I really wanted to narrow it down, I'd say Taylor Gooch is a prime candidate, seventy-seven hundred. Um, Ryan Moore, I, I just like a bounce-back spot for Ryan Moore at seventy-five hundred. And let's see, Ches Revi at 7,400. Down in the low sevens, and then we'll just hit a couple sixes and we'll get out of here. Let's check the time. See if I'm on. Damn. We're over 20 minutes, but uh, we should be under 30. So kudos for that. Low 7K range, Luke List at 7,100. Been playing well. His ball striking is always good. No issues with Luke List. He grades out well. I'm not sure of his course history so yeah it's mostly bad so again you try to mesh the course history with recent form course history is not the best and and honestly we know luke list for the the cold putter so that could be something right there like i'll talk myself back out of luke list based on the putter um if you land on that spot with the with salary at 7100 i don't think it's bad uh, Boho grades out well at 7,100, so you could go there as well. Ryan Armour, like I said, 7K on the dot. He is the highest ranked, so I would I would probably have him in at least at least one of the three, if not two of the three. I wouldn't go all in on him like I would Mito, but uh, Ryan Moore, with his recent form and his course history, is is pretty strong, especially in cash. Like if you're playing cash or single entry, I think <laughs> I think you play Webb and then you play Ryan Armour and then fill in the gaps from there. And obviously, Mito, obviously, you're playing Mito. Uh, let's see. Mark Hubbard. I've been playing a lot of Mark Hubbard. He's at 7K. I like that quite a bit. I do feel proud about that. I was early on on Hubbard with some good finishes uh, in July. He's at 2% projected ownership. So that's actually a pretty good spot for him. And then as we get down into the 6K range, I'll just hit a couple high points. Henrik Norlander. Grades out pretty well. He's 6,600. Uh, Bo Hostler, surprisingly enough, grades out well. And then we got Joseph Bramlett and Davis Thompson. 
Um, neither one project well in terms of projection, just just limited data, but their ranking for me is, is very good. So I do like leveraging that a little bit because if most people are you're kind of using the same system for projections, they're not going to get Joseph Bramlett or Davis Thompson in any of their lineup. So again, it's a small it's a small exposure there, but that's that's a good angle if you guys want to browse other people's uh, optimizers and projections and see which ones kind of you rank higher than the projection ranks, if that makes sense. Like you're looking for guys that maybe are going to be under projected and uh, likewise, they're not going to be in a lot of lineups. You project them well, get them in 15, 20% of lineups and you're way overweight the field. So I think that pretty much does it guys. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you can go check out the rankings at fantasygolfbag.com. Both DraftKings and FanDuel are up. And uh, I'll be in the Slack chat all week to answer questions and talk through. Uh, congrats again to Hamhawk on his 50K win. That was fantastic. I think he maxed the maxed the $5 and won 50K. So $750 investment and returned 50000 So, well, 51 and change. So 50K profit for sure. So congrats to Hamhawk. Uh, Billy's been doing great in chat. Rainmaker, everybody that are in the FGWC the live well it's not a live final yet but in the uh, online final for the golf good luck in the remaining weeks and uh just under 30 minutes we will cut it there guys good luck in your contest this week on DraftKings and FanDuel I'll be at fantasygolfbag.com come stop by and uh we'll see you next week